0: But you know, last week, you know, um, Michael uh, preached an outstanding sermon, and he never ceases to amaze me how he could do that without any seminary training or (laughs) never having a preaching, taking a preaching class. But he was talking about patience and that we have to have patience, especially as we go through what were um, this whole COVID-19. I know he mentioned that he learned patience by watching the Clippers, but I tell him, you really want to learn patience i mean as a diehard laker fan man watching them play you're going to you know learn patience but you know as we take a look at what's going on uh, with this whole covid-19 i remember when it first started you know we were saying you know it's it started in march and we think you know this is going to be a little blip summer's coming the heat's going to come and it's just going to disappear well it, it didn't disappear And we see all of these new variants that are coming or arising because of, you know, COVID-19. You know, we and, and lately we have this Omicron variant that's out there. And we don't know if our current vaccines are going to protect us from this, you know, new variant. Maybe we'll know in a week or a couple weeks if our current vaccines hold up. But, you know, just when you think, okay, we're we're getting a handle on this, we have a new variant. And we have no idea when these variants will stop. Because it's not just a thing that's happening in the United States. This is affecting the world. I mean, it started in South Africa, and now all of these nations are banning travel from South Africa and neighboring countries in hope to... Stop this Omicron variant from um, spreading throughout the rest of this world. But one of the things that we didn't see or didn't expect were the consequences or the effects that the COVID-19 virus would have on us outside the medical world. Well, we, we see now that because of COVID-19, there's a delay in the uh, supply chain that's causing prices to raise across the board. Food prices are higher. We're experiencing record gas prices. So those of you who are young, you know, kids, I hope you're really thankful for your parents because this Thanksgiving and holiday season is going to be much more expensive than previous holiday seasons you know auto prices are higher you know uh, grace was talking to a friend who just purchased a car and had to pay four thousand dollars more than sticker price in order to get a car because they needed a car why because of this the supply chain in the microchips car new cars are they're not producing as many cars because they don't have those microchips so cars are more expensive you know for those of you who try to remodel you know that's taking longer you know, some of, I've heard some person order appliances in July and just got them recently. And that was holding up their remodeling. Why? Because they didn't know where their appliances were. Probably somewhere in a cargo ship somewhere sitting off the coast of Long Beach or San Pedro. Because why? If you ever looked out there, right, you see all of these cargo ships just waiting because they don't have enough people to unload them. And they estimate that it will take about a year for the supply chain to get back to normal again. And so we're seeing all of these things happen. You know, people are changing, behaviors are changing. Uh, you know, we see these smash and grab robberies now in all of these high end stores or Best Buy or wherever. Um, We're seeing a divisiveness in our country. Tensions between countries are on the rise. And record number of people are leaving their jobs. They've just had it, whether it's in the medical field or all of these other jobs, teachers, they've just, just, you know, if I'm close to retirement age, it's just crazy. You know, it's just too much for me. And people are leaving their jobs. And sadly, we see this in ministry where pastors are leaving their jobs in record numbers. And why is that? Because now pastors have to lead their churches in a new era where things are constantly changing. You know, congregants, the congregants that are lead, they're leading, they're frustrated. You know, and we all know that. And pastors have to deal with that frustration, which that frustration is also coming out in complaints against the church where complaints against the church are on the rise. So, you know, a lot of these pastors who are close to retirement age have said, you know what? We're leaving the ministry. But as Michael said, the problem that we have is that we don't look at the big picture. You know, if we reduce our reality to just what is happening in our lives my career, my family, my relationships, my social life, then yes, you are going to get frustrated, you are going to get depressed when the world around us is seemingly changing for the worst. Now, some of you young people here, <coughs> excuse me, you're looking at things happening, and yes, you're frustrating, but you're going, well, this is life. But for those of us who've lived our life, we have never seen anything like this. Right. This is just, for us, it's like, the, what's going on in the world? This isn't how it was when we were growing up. We're seeing it changing and getting, um, and changing for the worse. And so if we just take a look at life from our own vantage point, yes, we are going to get depressed. Yes, we are going to get frustrated. But this is Advent. And as, as Jimmy said, um, he lit the candle of hope and hope has a way of as he said looking for a, to a positive outcome hope that things will get better and as jimmy says that our hope is based in god who has a plan and is at work accomplishing his plan even though we can't see it right we have hope no matter how bad things get that jesus promises to return one day and make everything right for all eternity. And that's the hope that we have. And none of that is contingent on how bad things get. No matter how bad things get in this world, they do not change the promises of God. And that's what Advent means the coming, the coming of the Messiah. And so today, the first candle was that of hope. And I think. This world needs hope. Not that things around us will get better. Not that we'll find a um, cure for um, the coronavirus or that the supply chain will get back to normal. We're talking about the hope that God and God alone could give. That's not contingent on these circumstances. Knowing that one day, one day, for those of us who believe in Jesus Christ, things are going to get better. And they're going to get better for all eternity. And we will always, always have that hope. But today, we're going to go back 2,000 years. Actually, we're going to go back 2,400 years. Now, I get it. Today is going to sound more like a history lesson or class than a sermon. But I want to convey and I want to show you That even when it seems that God is silent, that God is absent, that God is at work. That God has a plan. And we see this in the first advent. And so um, there was a 400-year period of God's silence between the end of Malachi, which is the last book in the uh, Old Testament, to when the New Testament writings... Okay, so when Malachi finished his writings, um, that's when God stopped speaking to the Jewish people. And it lasted for 400 years. Now, could you imagine? You know, the Jews had all of the stories about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joshua. David, you know, Samson, the judges, Solomon. They had all of these stories how God came in in history and helped them and was with them, right? They heard all of these stories, but then all of a sudden, silence. There was no word from any prophet. There was nothing from God for 400 years now if you were living in that time what would you think if you placed your faith and hope in God and you heard all of these stories and you see how he worked through like the lives of Daniel Shadrach Meshach Abednego right and then all of a sudden nothing how would you feel most likely that you would feel depressed and so um, at the end of at the end of Malachi, we know that the Jewish people who were held in captivity in Babylon for 70 years were allowed back to live under Persian rule. But you know what's interesting? Even that, we see God at work. Because he prophesied in Daniel, 4, uh, Daniel 2 about the four kingdoms that were about to come. He's prophesied about Babylon. Then after Babylon was going to come the Medo-Persian Empire who would conquer and te- um, subdue Babylon. And after that, Greece would come and um, take over. And finally after Greece, the Roman Empire would come and rule the world. And all of this was prophesied. So when Malachi was writing, the Jews had, they were allowed to come back and live in Um, in in, um, Israel, where before they were held captive in Babylon for 70 years. So they're back in Israel, but they are still under Persian rule. But then, what happened? Someone came on the scene that changed the entire world. And that was Alexander the Great, and you'll see him here. He was the greatest, one of the greatest military strategists of all time. And how many of you here are 20 years old? 20 years, around 20? Raise your hand. He was only 20 years old when he took over the world, when he conquered the most powerful Uh, world power at that time which is the Medo-Persian Empire he was 20 and he came out of Greece and he conquered the entire world and it's interesting that if you read Daniel chapter 8 Daniel chapter 8 prophesied about Alexander the Great that he was the goat with that horn and he was going to come and he was going to destroy the Medo-Persian Empire. God knew it was going to happen. God planned for this to happen, right? And so, but then Alexander Great, as young as he was, he conquered the whole known world. And after 10 years or so, he died. He drunk himself to death. He's an alcoholic. Why? Because there was nothing else for him to conquer. You know, his whole career was conquering the whole known world. Can you imagine this guy in his 20 conquering the whole known world? And he did that, but after he did, there was nothing left to conquer. And so he drunk himself to death, right? But he didn't have an heir to take over his kingdom. So his kingdom was divided among four Greek generals. But these generals didn't have the same amount of power. Now what is interesting about this is this was also prophesied in Daniel chapter 8 that the four kingdoms would arise but not all of them would have the same power. And that's exactly as it happened because there were two notable generals. They didn't all have the same problem, power. One was Ptolemy. And if you could look at the uh, map, uh, the next uh, slide, uh, if you see the Ptolemaic empire, well, Ptolemy was one of the four generals that the Bible prophesied that would arise after Alexander the Great died, right? And so he ruled the south. So northern Egypt. And he also had, I know it's tough to see, but Jerusalem. Jerusalem is about, as you look, maybe a little bit north and east of his empire. But also Seleucus was the other general. And he occupied Syria. And he, you see the Seleucid empire right there. And this also was prophesied by Daniel, that there would be a king of the north, which was Seleucus, and the king of the south, which would be Ptolemy, right? And they would also have wars against each other in their struggle for power. And we see that. And not only that, Daniel 11 prophesied about that and the events that would occur during this time period, right? During this period Of silence. It was all prophesied hundreds of years before this actually happened. But guess who was in the middle of all of this? Jerusalem. So when they were fighting each other, guess who was caught in the crossfire? Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem or Israel had, at least when when Alexander the Great was alive, you know he shown favor to the nation of israel but when he died one of his generals ptolemy who you see here took over and he took over the uh the area that israel lay and he was not very kind to israel and so israel suffered under ptolemy okay when he was in control of that southern empire and like i said it's amazing this was all prophesied in daniel 11 hundreds of years before it actually happened but this was a time when what it was silent god was silent so could you imagine if you're israel right and also god's silence nothing from the prophets and you're seeing this happen you're saying what's going on right here right but god is it just shows us that god is in control even though He was silent. Even though there was no word to a prophet, nothing to the nation of Israel, God was behind the scenes working. God is in control. You know, and one of the things that came out of this was that the Old Testament was translated into Greek, which is called the Septuagint. And it made the Old Testament more accessible to people. Because before it was just what? It was just in Hebrew. So you had to know Hebrew in order to understand it. But now, since Alexander the Great conquered the entire world, he brought the Greek culture into the entire world, including the Greek language. And so one of the things that happened through all of this is the Old Testament was now translated into Greek, where it was accessible to the whole world. At that time, and so even though um, Israel was caught in this crossfire, and eventually the Seleucids took over Jerusalem, and they were no better; they were just as evil, and they just and they persecuted um, um, the nation of Israel, just like Ptolemy did. God is still at work, even though the Jewish people are saying, "God." What is going on here? Where are you? Can't you see us suffering under Ptolemy? Can't you see us suffering under the Seleucid kingdom? You know, we're caught in this crossfire between two warring nations. Where are you? Why can't you save us like you did in the past? Why? You know, if we were there, wouldn't we be thinking that? We would be thinking the same thing too. But God was at work. And remember, God prophesied through Daniel that there was going to be a one powerful and strong kingdom that was going to come after Greece. And that was the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire brought this thing called the Pax Romana, the Peace of Rome. Granted, that peace of it was it was before then, it was a very violent time. But when the Romans took over, there was a time of peace. But that time of peace was created through the ruling of an, the iron fist of the Roman Empire. But that was peace, and that happened between 27 AD and oh, 27 BC rather, and 100 AD. So what happened, you know, during this period? Now, granted, Israel was still wasn't their own nation. They had a puppet king that was. Um, chosen for them, and they were under Roman rule. But the Rome, Romans developed a system of roads throughout its empire, which made traveling easier, right? It's because of the Romans that um, they pretty much occupied the entire known world at that time, or they were as their um, empire was increasing. But they developed roads, which made access easier between towns, which made travel easier between towns. And then people, because of the peace, because they ruled with an iron fist, people could travel by land or sea more safely. Before, whenever you traveled someplace, you were often traveled in fear, so you didn't do that. But now the Roman government is in charge and you could travel throughout the own whole empire in relatively uh, safety and one of the other things as a common language throughout the whole empire was greece now granted this started with alexander the great but through their own empire with all these different nations you had one common language that's kind of like when you go to europe right and you go to germany yes they speak german but they also speak english You go to Swiss. Yeah, they speak Swiss, but they also speak English. Because, you know, in Europe, what they do is they require their children to learn their native language, but they're also required to learn English. So if you've ever traveled in Europe, you could get by with speaking English. Well, that's the way it was back then. Well, if you spoke Greek which everybody did, that was the common language that everybody knew. And so you see, all of these things happen, right? And it was like, you know, when you go to a play, right? It's not like a movie. In between scenes, what happens? The curtain goes down, and you hear all of this noise in the background, right? And what they're doing is they're changing the set, getting it ready for another scene. Well, that's what God was doing in this 400 years. The curtain came down after Malachi, and God is setting the stage for a new scene. Now, granted, the 400 years God was silent, for most of that, it was filled with suffering for the Jewish people. But, like I said, in the midst of the suffering, God was setting the stage for the coming of the Messiah. Because at that time, when Jesus came, the gospel could be spread. Why? Because there was roads where people could go from one part of the empire to the other in relative safety, whether it was by land or by sea. That couldn't happen before. There was one common language. So if you spoke Koine Greek, you could communicate with people through the entire empire. You know, when Israel was a nation, that couldn't have happened. In order to hear um, the news about Yahweh, you had to travel through Israel. But now the stage is set where the gospel could be taken to the entire world the stage was set god was not asleep god was watching but god had a larger plan to bring jesus in when he did and that's important and i'm sorry alia could you go back to galatians 4 4 it's at it was slide number two I'm sorry I didn't uh, show that one. But this is what the Paul, Apostle Paul writes. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman. You see that? But when the set time has fully come. Yes, there was 400 years of silence. But there was a set time that God had that when he, that he was going to bring his son, the Messiah, into this world. And that was 400 years after the Old Testament Malachi wrote the last letter of his book. God was not silent. God was just setting the stage for the promise that he made to Abraham. That there was going to become a Messiah and this Messiah was going to save his people and that all the world would be blessed through the Messiah. That couldn't happen if the nation of Israel was still intact in Israel, right? But for him to be a blessing to all nations, what? The gospel had to have access to the entire world not only through travel, but through language. So you could see this. And to me, this is so amazing when you see this, that God was not silent. He was setting all of this up for an appointed time. right? And it wasn't random that Jesus came when he came. It wasn't random. It was planned. It was proph- the things that were going to happen were prophesied in the Old Testament before it happened. And that should give us great hope. Because also during that time, this one um, race dead um, who's a theologian and pastor, he wrote this. Meanwhile, the pagan empires around um, have been deteriorating and disintegrating. This is about the time of Christ, when Christ is going to be. Um, born, Their religions had fallen upon evil days. The people, they were sick of polytheism and the emptiness of their pagan faith. And so even the other religions were getting tired of this. They were praying to their gods and nothing was happening. And the Jews themselves have gone through tough times of pressure and failed in their efforts to reestablish themselves. They wanted to reestablish themselves as a nation, but they couldn't. And they had all but given up hope. So right before Christ, the Jews at all been uh, had given up hope. And then but because of this, there was a growing air of expectancy that the only hope they had left was the coming of the promised Messiah. Not only was everything set for the gospel message to be preached to the entire world, the hearts of the people were finally ready to accept and look forward to the Messiah because things were getting so bad, they lost hope. Both Jews and non-Jews. And the only hope they had was the coming of the Messiah. And that's why when you hear about the wise men from the east and they saw the star, right? They were also looking for this hope that the Messiah would bring because things were just so bad. But you have to realize When the time had fully come, God sent forth his son. We see this 2,000 years ago. And so what does that have to do with us today? Well, it has everything to do with the fact that we are living in that time where we're wondering, okay, God, you promised to send your son Jesus back. You know, and they thought that this was going to happen during World War II. They thought Hitler was the Antichrist, right? But Jesus didn't come back then. And then even today, we struggle. You know, as we are going through this, and say, "God, okay, how bad do things have to get? Where are you?" Yes, I know the Holy Spirit inside. Yes, I we pray to you. Yes, I feel your presence, but. When are you going to take care of this world? When are you going to come back? You know, little did we think that this one virus was going to affect the entire world the way it's done. There was no way when this started that I thought nations would shut down their economies in order to try to prevent this. We go to war over economic resources and uh, economic reasons and natural resources because that's why, because economies of our countries are so important. But the countries, the industrial nations were willing to shut down their economies in order to try to prevent the spread of the coronavirus. Never in my lifetime did I think that would ever happen and so we're going god what's going on when is this going to end but our hope is not in the end of the coronavirus our hope is in the promise that god made to us that he's going to send his son back to us we are living in that second advent And we, God, is what I think is setting the stage. The curtain is down, and he's setting the stage for when his son comes back. And when his son comes back, it is going to be an entire world event. Every nation, every continent, every person on this planet is going to be affected by the second advent. And now, with Technology, communication, and the mission's effort, hey, we are getting closer to that happening. And that gives us hope that, yes, the curtain's down, but God is in the back setting the stage for the coming of his Messiah, the coming of Christ, when things will be set right for all eternity for those who trust him. And God is just getting our hearts ready for that one message that he gave to Mary in Luke 1, 26. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel said to, went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Now Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of a greeting this would be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Now we think that Mary was only 13 years old. So, uh, you know, you young people, <laughs> you have a great capacity to make a difference in this world. Alexander was only 20 when he conquered the known world. Mary, she was only 13 when she heard this wonderful news. So for all of us older folks, let's not discount the potential of youth because God over and over has used young people to do great things. And he said in Luke 31, he continues in 131, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. 400 years of silence, where God had not spoken to the Jewish people at all. And then this, after 400 years of suffering, the angel comes and said, the Messiah is coming, the Messiah. And this is the news that Israel was waiting to hear. This is the news that they were finally ready to, to accept and look forward because things were so bad, the Messiah was only hope, the hope. And this was the news that the gospel was going to be spread throughout the entire known world because at this specific time that God set, it finally could happen. And this gives us hope that as we are waiting In the several thousand years period where we wonder when, when are you going to come back? We know that he's going to come back. And then he's preparing our hearts to want him to come back. Because let's be honest with each other. How many of us are really looking forward to him coming back? You know, some of us might say, you know, God, there are a lot of places I haven't been to. You know, after I've done my vacation and done my traveling, then you could come back. You know, God, I'm not married. I'm still single. You know, I want to get married. So if you allow me to get married and maybe married for a few years, and I could come back. Or, God, you know, I just started my career. I'm at the bottom rung. You know, I haven't been able to move forward and to... um, be more successful in my career. God, when I'm successful, then, God, you could come back. You know, how many of us are, if we're really honest, how many of us are really waiting for the return of Christ? All right, some of us are. All right, amen for that. But I would say there's a good portion of us are looking forward to what this life has to offer that we want to experience before Christ comes back and maybe just maybe this is why God is allowing things to happen to things to seemingly get worse to prepare our hearts to where we have no hope but to look to God and say Jesus please come back we need you now let's pray Worship team, please come forward. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you have a plan. And Father, that your plans cannot be thwarted. That COVID-19, this disruption in the supply chain, the frustration that um, people in the workforce are feeling right now, the expensive prices, nothing Nothing could change your plans. And Father, as you had a set time for your son Jesus Christ to come into this world, which was perfect, which was perfect. And Lord, I know that the Jews living at that time were trying to question you and wonder. But Father, they were just looking from their own personal reality. They didn't look at it from what you were trying to do. That you were trying to send the gospel message to the rest of the world. That salvation came through the death of your son Jesus Christ on the cross. And now that salvation was available to everyone and not just the Jew. And it took 400 years for you to set that stage, for that to happen. But most importantly, Father, it took that time for you to change the hearts of the people so they would look forward to the Savior, to the Messiah. Father, I know there there are some of us who are looking forward to the second coming of your Son, Jesus Christ. But Father, we also know that there are a lot of people, both your disciples and not, that are looking through the events of this world through their own reality and this frustration. But Father, for those of us in this room, I pray, Father, that this frustration that we're feeling would lead to a desire for you. That our hope would not come from relationships, whether it's our family or maybe a future relationship, that our hope would not come from our jobs or how successful we come, become. Our hope would not come in the physical things or material things that we acquire. But our hope would come from you. And Father, history has shown us that in only times of great trouble that we turn to you for a hope. And so, Father, for those of us who are frustrated, for those of us who are scared, for those of us who are feeling anxiety, Father, may you give us the hope that you always keep your promises and that you promised that your son Jesus Christ would come back again and that we are living in the second advent period and that when your son comes back it would be an entire world event where you will set things right for all eternity. Thank you. In your son's name we pray. Amen.